Hey everyone, I'm back today for the final episode of my learnings from quarter three. As I mentioned in the first one, and as I'll get to mentioning at the end of this one, pieces like this really move me and they really, I think, orient me and center me on just how valuable reflection and taking a step back to pay attention to one's own life really is. These things have allowed me to get my head into such a clear place when I get to go through and review these things and to go through and look at all the different things that I've written over the course of three months and to just sit here with all of it and to expand on it over a few days. It really has allowed me to be a better version of myself, I think, and I would highly recommend it to others. So with that said, I will jump in and get started. Despite the overwhelming nature of a moment or a feeling in the present, it will all go on, passing us by on its journey through time and existence. All of these moments, emotions, and feelings come and go, often much more quickly than we expect. They all start and come to an end, yet the worst of moments and feelings often feel like an eternity. Despite this perception, they simply do not last forever. We are prone to affective forecasting, which is the mental projection that we will experience feelings for much longer than we actually go on to experience in reality. Understanding this has helped me to appreciate the finite nature of experiences in life itself, helping me to embrace reality and life rather than allowing it to pass without a trace. It's okay to be behind, and it's even better if you have a path to move forward. Beating ourselves up about not being to the level where we, where everyone else is or where we expect ourselves to be will not do us good. All we have is the present moment. We cannot do anything about our past or what got us to the point where we find ourselves right now. Right now is all we have. And if we do find ourselves behind the curve on a noble pursuit, then we would do best for ourselves and for the world to carve out a path forward. The neuroscientist Lisa Feldman Barrett once said something like, if we want to change our past, we must change our present, which then becomes our past. Carving out the path forward and walking it allows us to change our present, which then becomes a better past for us to look back on. It's okay to be down, and it's even better if you have thought through what will best support you on the way back up, both in yourself and in others. In life, the experience of negative emotions is inevitable. Without it, happiness and positive emotions would have little meaning. Very few of us particularly like this experience of negative emotions, which is why so few of us voluntarily choose it. Knowing this should allow us to give some grace to ourselves. In giving ourselves some grace, we can also give ourselves some love, especially to our future selves. A great way to give our future selves some love is to reflect and put supports in place that help us to stay out of the depths of negative emotion. Ask yourself what the best habits and ways of thinking you can put in place are that will help you to not get so down. Ask yourself what you think is a reasonable set of things that other people in your life can do to help you not get so down. In my eyes, this is one of the most meaningful acts of self-love to look into the future and put systems in place for that version of yourself rather than solely focusing on right now. Both sides of the coin are important, yet I've noticed that it's easy to forget about caring for our future selves, 
as an airplane passes by. I perceive that food can have a strong effect on my emotional state. When I eat a ton of carbohydrates and or when I eat a lot of sugars, whether they be natural or artificial, I notice that my emotions become more volatile and extreme. I also notice that my mood dips down after some time following the consumption of larger amounts of carbohydrates and sugars. When I eat well, limit my intake of these and increase my intake of other vitamin and mineral rich vegetables and other foods, my mood tends to be much more stable and my ability to monitor my emotions is much better. Meditating when eating well is much easier. Building and sustaining motivation for the maintenance of good habits is easier when I eat well. I'm also more effective when dealing with conflict when I eat well. Some learnings about Brazilian culture. Spending around five months in Brazil this year so far has had some curious effects on me. In speaking Portuguese all the time and being enmeshed with Brazilians 24-7, I've seen my behaviors change from how I would typically act at home. During my first three months here, I was a bit puzzled by what was happening, at times to the point of frustration. During my stint, During my second stint here, I have started to piece the puzzle together a bit more to make sense of it. I've realized that I have started to act more in line with different aspects of the culture without being fully conscious of it while here. In a conversation with a couple friends at a Japanese restaurant, we got to talking about Brazilian culture and its differences from the culture in which I grew up in the US. I made an attempt to put my observations into words, but struggled. Fortunately, one of the friends started to share her own observations as a Brazilian. In her description, she listed some things which sparked light bulbs in my head in ways that I haven't experienced in a very long time. She was painting the picture that I was longing to see, but couldn't paint. These were the salient points she mentioned. First, there is a tendency to always look for an indication from others rather than acting independently. Second, there is a lack of curiosity about others, especially those who are different. Third, there is a tendency to prioritize the desire to simply be with others over the desire to connect with and more deeply know others. There are plenty of other characteristics that I am not mentioning here. These were three things that jumped out at me that came out in that conversation. They are particularly salient because they are characteristics that tend to go counter to how I strive to be as a person, thus creating a tension between myself and the culture in which I have been living. This discomfort and struggle has been good for me, as I have gotten to see how powerful the environment can be in shaping my behavior. I've also been able to look at these aspects of the culture as they are, accept them, and come to appreciate the benefits of them despite my desire to go the other way. When trying to show someone who is more likely to get offended when taking feedback a new perspective, veer away from going directly at them. Instead, speak conceptually and focus more on models and exterior examples. When you poke some bears, they don't feel threatened and some may even think you're playing with them. When you poke other bears, they feel attacked and respond in self-defense, putting up walls or attacking you in return. To translate this example into this point about humans, when you bring up a personal example with some people, they don't feel threatened and some may even enjoy this personal example as it can be something for them to think about and perhaps change to become a better person. 
when you bring up a personal example with other people, the response is very much similar to the other bears when they are poked. They feel attacked and respond in self-defense, putting up walls or attacking you in return. When dealing with people of this kind, I've learned that a way in is to be more indirect, discussing models and exterior examples that are very far away from them. This isn't foolproof and 100% effective, but it appears to be more effective than the approach of pointing something out to someone directly. One may need to repeat those indirect examples on multiple occasions before it sinks in at all, but it avoids the pitfall of the wall or attack, which is the opposite of what we should be pursuing in conversations with others. A repetitive theme. Distraction. Distraction is not an easy thing for me to overcome. The number of temptations to distractions I've had while writing this have been countless. The number of temptations to distraction I experience in a given day is untrackable. I give in every now and and again, which makes it even harder to fully cut the temptations to distraction out. I saw in my journal that there are days in which I am more distracted than, than others. On the days in which I am more distracted, I tend to have a worse day, and my mental experience is... Oof. My apologies. That is a loud motorcycle. Hopefully that's better. So, I'll return to what I was just saying here. I saw in my journal that there are ways in which I am more distracted than others. There are days in which I am more distracted than others. On the days in which I am more distracted, I tend to have a worse day and my mental experience is less clear and focused. Thus, I must continue my commitment to being less distracted, to cutting more distractions out, and to resisting temptations to distraction with more success than I have had thus far. It's one of the more challenging tasks in my life compared to others, yet it is also a comparatively more rewarding task to work on and improve. Adopt a mentality of extreme ownership. Take responsibility. Take it on the chin. Remove negative judgments of the self and others. Learn and move ahead. This is the way I would like to deal with more situations in my life, especially in novel situations that I'm not used to. At home, where I'm comfortable and know how things work, I do this decently well. In novel environments, I tend to not do so well. Being here in Brazil has been an example of a novel environment of this sort. Speaking Portuguese in a house that is not my own with people with whom I did not grow up and for whom I lack cultural and interpersonal context, I found myself disoriented more frequently than usual. This gives itself to me not having a clear mind at times, missing the opportunities I would normally take to act in accordance with my values and ideal self. This is something I seek to work on and change, and I think that adopting a mentality of extreme ownership would help me to get better in this regard. The question, how might I be wrong, is incredibly valuable. When thinking about our work, politics, religion, our personal views of the world, our personal views of other people, or our personal views of ourselves. Asking ourselves how we might be wrong is humbling and centering. It helps to remove our ego and to prioritize the truth. It allows us to not assume that we are right. 
it allows us to consider that the current picture we have may be incomplete. If you can't think of how you might be wrong off the top of your head, go out into the world and find someone who thinks that you are wrong so you can observe that thought and consider it. If we can start to build mental models that are considerate of contrasting opinions and aware of the strengths and weaknesses of our own views, we will likely be less emotional about them and we will have a more complete picture of reality. Living in a fake world is the opposite of what we want, yet so many more of us find ourselves doing just that. I think that asking this question more can be an effective antidote to that. The additional effort it requires is more worthwhile and overend. EPA and creatine supplementation may be effective tools for mitigating depression. I've started listening to the Huberman Lab podcast recently, and I found it to be a fountain of great information about the human body and mind. I listened to an episode about depression, and in it, Dr. Huberman digs into many different practical changes one can make to combat depression and reduce its effects on the brain and on behavior. Two of the interesting takeaways from the episode were that EPA, which is a type of omega-3 fatty acid, and creatine, which is a compound involved in energy production for the muscles, supplementation can be effective in the mitigation of depression. The effects of EPA have been found to be as positive as traditional medications like SSRIs, which are serotonin, selective serotonin reuptake inhibitors, for the treatment of depression but without the side effects that SSRIs can bring. Learning new things like this really interests me. I can even feel it when I'm listening to the content. The sense of wonder and intrigue is a great feeling. Here I am, a few days after starting this article, closing it up. As I scroll through it and see what I've written above this conclusion, I find myself once again in awe of how much one can learn over the course of three months if one just pays attention and reflects. It consistently astonishes me over and over again. Perhaps this will inspire you to take it up as a habit. Perhaps it will not. Either way, I thank you for engaging with this. It means a lot to me. I hope it leaves you a better person than the one you were upon arriving. Thanks for listening. It really means a lot. And as always, I'll be back soon. In the meantime, take care. Much love. Cheers.